Hey, good evening. This is Brian Bickford, and this is with Mainly Matters, and this is the Tourism and Travel Channel. I'll be interviewing people about their travel experiences, their travel businesses, and excursion desires, but more importantly, about what makes Maine vacation land. We know that there's about 37 million people that visit this state every single year, and they actually spend about $6.2 billion. And tonight we're going to talk a little bit about our trail system, you know, a little bit about our national park, our uh, state parks, and some of those uh, land preserves that have been given to Maine. Um, and, you know, we're actually, I believe there's about 500 or half million acres of preserved land in Maine, and uh, they kind of um, bounce between about 500 acres and about 43,000 acres in size. Hey, tonight I actually have some special guests, uh, but more importantly, I would say that we actually, this is a unique evening because we have actually an audience tonight, and we are actually joined with some people. How's everybody doing tonight? Woo! Hey guys, thanks for coming and kind of joining in with us tonight. But we actually have two great guests, and uh, and they are welcoming with us tonight is Jeff Ryan. He's a main author and hiker extraordinaire. Hi, Jeff. How's it going? Doing really good. Thanks for joining good. us tonight. And Alicia Dyer, who is a triple crown hiker and always outside when she's not drinking coffee, I heard. So, hey, welcome, Alicia. How are you? Hey, great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for taking the time for us. So, um, hey, Jeff, you know, you and I have known each other for a number of years. We've known, I've, I've actually kind of admired your your uh, your hiking experience, um, your knowledge of, uh, um, of, of hiking gear. I think you've probably seen it, done it more than once. Can you just tell our listeners just a little bit about that first time that gave you the bug that you thought that hiking was the thing for you? Wow, that's a great question. Actually, the first time I, I, I went on a hike uh, that I remember was at a summer camp when I was about 12, and the leaders bit off way more than 12-year-olds uh, should have been put up to. And I had a really good time looking down from the top of the mountain, but um, the walk back was pretty painful, and I actually didn't hike for a while after that and um but the second time around there was no turning back i really got the bug and uh probably in my late teens i really started getting into it and no looking back <laughs> so Alyssa, the same same question to you you know you've been hiking for a while you've done some challenging hikes we're going to get into that in a minute but just talk a little bit about what got you into hiking yeah, um, well, I grew up here in Maine, hiking my whole life, pretty much. Um, but as a kid, I kind of went because my mom dragged me along and not because I wanted to go. <laughs> um, but when I was in high school, I went to a backpacking camp and um, I got my butt kicked. But it was at that camp that I was like, wow, this is something for me. I absolutely love being out here in the woods and spending lots of time in the mountains. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. You and I have actually uh, done some talking before a couple of years ago and so forth. Always intrigued about, you know, your passion for it. Um, now, let me ask you the big question. Is it winter, spring, summer, or fall? Winter. Winter. You're a winter hiker. Okay. <laughs> I'm a winter person. Yeah. No, you probably, probably would have liked one of our uh, earlier shows we did with the Blanchards who actually climb every year uh, Mount Katahdin uh, in the winter, um, awesome. which just makes no sense to me. I, I want the Four Seasons Hotel and bubble baths, you know, but <laughs> that's, that's where I am in life, Jeff. So, Jeff, talk a little bit about, um, you know, how did you, how did you, um, 
you know, you said you actually did this uh, early on at age 12. Um, but when did you really start to seriously start to, you know, hit some of the, the bigger mountains in the area? Um, I actually just pulled uh, in anticipation of our talk tonight. Mm-hmm. I pulled a book off the shelf, which was the AMC Main Mountain Guide, which mm-hmm. I bought when I was 19 at L.L. Bean. And um, it still has the sticker price in there of six ninety five. But um, <laughs> I... Um, I started really um, peak bagging. I was going all over the place trying to um, just see new places. And, um, you know, for me, peak bagging was more an excuse to go and explore different parts of the state than anything. Mm-hmm. And um, that I have little uh, dots next to all the mountains or in some places underlined. Mm-hmm. And I really started taking a lot of trips up to Baxter in that period, um, you know, several times a year to, uh, climb what we called the big guy. And, um, you know, it just sort of grew from there. I went, I went out to college in the Midwest and met a couple guys who wanted to do some, something epic after we got out of school and we were sort of toying with the idea of the Appalachian trail and got home for that, uh, uh, winter vacation, the break between, uh, semesters and i saw this national geographic on my parents bookshelf and it was a 1971 article about the pacific crest trail and Mm -hmm. the next thing i knew we were planning that trip and uh we did it we um did it way before way before i think we were looking at the stats the other day and uh 17 people did it the year i did it uh now it's up to several hundred a year but um Came back from that, and uh, I met a guy. I was working at L.L. Bean at that point, and um, met a guy who wanted to do some hiking, and we did the highest 50 peaks in Maine in a year um, during that period. And then I started hiking the Appalachian Trail over 28 years with a different friend, um, and we did a little piece every year. So that's what got me going. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And, and uh, um, actually, you are what we're referred to as a triple crown hiker. And uh, just talk about what are the parameters of that? What qualifies somebody to become or to wear the crown of a, of a triple crown hiker? Yeah. Um, to be considered a triple crowner, you have to have through hiked the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail. Mm-hmm. And yeah, once you do that, you get to wear that that crown. It sounds pretty easy, really, when you think about it. Because one, as, as I'm looking at some stats right now, <laughs> the Continental Divide uh, Trail is 3,100. Uh, we have, um, let me see, the Pacific Crest Trail at about 2,654, uh, and the Appalachian mm-hmm. Trail at about 2,193. Um, if you add that up, I think, uh, what is it? What is it? Um, it must be Jeff, what? Um, a lot, right? So I feel a lot of a. Uh, how many how many pairs of boots do you go through when you um, when you do the Appalachian Trail? Is it just one that takes you through? No, yeah. no, not at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wish because it would be a yeah. lot. Worse the so how do you how do you manage that, um, Alyssa? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people have different strategies for managing things like gear drops. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a really supportive set of parents who at the drop of a hat will mail me anything. Mm-hmm. So I have pre pre-buy shoes before going out. I know I'm going to go through 
you know, one pair every four to 500 miles. So do the math on how many you're going to need. Yeah. And then when I wear through them, I just call home and my parents send them and they're waiting for me at a post office. Um, A lot of other people might buy them online and have them shipped or there are lots of beer shops along the way you can pick some up at. So, let's actually, um, I'm not just a, a taker on this show. I'm actually a giver as well. That's why I brought um, Jeff with us tonight, because actually he is an expert when it comes to boots. Talk to us about boots and the Appalachian Trail, Jeff. Well, you know, it's it, to each to their own with boots. You know, some people go lightweight and less supportive ankle-wise, and some people go to the other extreme. And I, I'm at that extreme. I I, I prefer the old-fashioned uh, over-the-ankle leather Gore-Tex, and uh, you know, I just I've I've folded my ankle enough times where I I uh, just prefer to have that stability and um, and support. But uh, as I say, everyone everyone's different, and you have to sort of try some different brands to figure out which one fits you best and gives you enough room in the toe box and all that happy stuff. So it, you know, it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of fine tuning to uh, figure out what brand and what style is best for you. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I usually go with the the good old uh, old fashioned leather ones. So Alicia is uh, one of those uh, those people that actually through hike the Appalachian Trail. Um, talk to us about uh, Jeff. Why did it take 28 years for you to do it? <laughs> <laughs> What's that about? Talk about the Appalachian Odyssey. Um, yeah, I just, well, we actually did it um, as funny as it sounds by accident. Um, I, I had met a guy that, um, I went on one hike with him. He was a friend of a college, uh, cohort. And, um, he said, there's a guy interested in doing some hiking. Would you, would you mind, you know, meeting him and, and going out for a hike? And we did, we hit it off. And, um, you know, when you find a good hiking buddy, it's, uh, a really treasured thing and uh we enjoyed each other's company and uh we went for a couple hikes and he suggested um doing katahdin i had didn't it didn't take me two seconds to uh make that decision but we went up katahdin in um 1985 and um fortunately someone snapped a picture of us up there and mm-hmm. um about the next spring sometime he said hey let's do the long trail in vermont so he started driving up from connecticut and i started driving over from maine and we paid for three-day weekends to do sections of the lt Mm -hmm. and um in the midst of that one uh, one of the trips we were eating dinner one night in the tent and he said you do realize we've started the appalachian trail and i burst out laughing and said, you, <laughs> you got to be joking, man. It will take us 30 years at this rate. And uh, he famously said, so what? And um, I realized he was right. And for the next 28 years, we did a different section. We sort of. Uh, and that's why, that's why you're an achiever, because you did it in two years under 30. 28 yeah. <laughs> years. So, wow, you were just pushing it. I'm a different just, kind of crown. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. right. Yeah. Alicia, when you uh, when you travel and hike, do you uh, do you have a special friend that you like to go with, or do you are you more of a a, a solo? Um, I'm a, probably a mix. For most mm-hmm. of the through hiking, I've gone with um, a few different friends, but definitely with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and same, I, a few years ago, I went to New Zealand to hike and met up with a buddy from the PCT there. 
So yeah. once you meet someone that you hike well with, yeah, you're going to travel pretty much anywhere to hike with them. That's right. And so what is it like when you're, you're traveling with somebody, Alicia, when, when you've got somebody that um, you're doing long, uh, long hours, you're doing uh, some flat, some, you know, some rough, you're going, you know, boulders and up over for a few hours. Um, what makes a good partner? Um, I think what makes a good partner is probably um, the dynamic of the partnership throughout the course of the whole time. Like, for instance, on the CDT, I hiked, I started with one person and we finished it together. We had some other people join us and come and go, Mm -hmm. but we didn't do very much hiking side by side, but we worked well as a partnership to say, okay, like we'll meet at this place in the evening. (laughs) But I'm going to sleep in and hike a little slower and you're going to get up early and leave quickly and get there and have your relaxation time in camp. Um, But we had this understanding that we were both okay with that pattern. Right. So it's just finding someone that either you can walk constantly with or that you can say, okay, this is what I'm going to do today. And you have the freedom to say that. So Jeff, if you've got some people coming from uh, out of mean, uh, we call them foreigners, by the way, and they're coming in. Um, where would you recommend? I've actually got somebody uh, a couple of days ago asked me if I could put together a seven-day itinerary for them, which may, gave me some thought for this show as well as, you know, what, what do you tell people when you say, hey, I need a couple good day hikes? Where do you send them? Oh, boy. Well, it really depends on where they're at in the state, where they're going. Right. Um, one one really quick thing I'd love to tag team on that last sure. answer because it's yeah, absolutely on the money yeah. with the 28-year hike. Um, same thing. And Wayne and I started out, uh, we're, we're vastly different personalities. And um, we rarely hike side by each. We sort of spread out during the day. I have sort of an innate sense of the 20-minute apart mark. I'm usually out in front. And, um, you know, it, it, it's really interesting how that dynamic works. And I think it, it makes long-distance hiking possible with someone because um, it's sort of like if you were in the front seat of a truck together going across country, you mm-hmm. might drive each other crazy yeah. after a while. You, you kind of need the headspace, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. it's it's yeah. a really good um, and healthy thing I, I uh, in, in my Appalachian Odyssey book, I sort of said it's like whitewater um, kayaking where you're both doing the same river, but you you both take different lines down right. the river and you sort of meet along the way and it keeps it healthy and um, and fresh. But um, as far as where to go, I, I, I have a couple really good suggestions, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the AT is uh, over 200 miles through Maine, but it also can be depending on the time of year, it can get crowded for space. So um, some of the other places I really like to look at are land trusts. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there are over 80 of them in Maine and some of their systems are just phenomenal. Um, You know, up, up uh, by Thomaston, there's a really strong one in the Gorham area the the Brzezumska river land trust has uh, probably a hundred miles of trails um, so those are those are really good spots to look um, at when you're when you're looking at uh, where you're going to be staying and what some of the possibilities are, and they're um, by and large lesser known. Um, so you you have a good nature experience and uh, some solitude too. Yeah, no, so that's, that's really important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, good point. And Alicia, where, where, where do you send people when you're, um, you know, when you get those kind of questions? Because I know you get them. Yeah. Um, again, it's really dependent on where they're kind of staying in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, I get asked that a lot at my work because I work in Freeport and we have a lot of tourists that come through and they'll ask right. where some good day hikes around that area are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always say like Bradbury and Wolf's Neck State mm-hmm. Parks are awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they want to drive like an hour, you can get into Camden Hills State Park. Right. Or you can find some little known mountains too, like Streaked and over in Hebron and mm. things like that, which are, I do like to try to send people off the beaten path a little. Yes. Sometimes if they're up for it, if not, then those other well known places are great as well. Well, it's kind of interesting, but I did a little bit of research uh, before this and I did, you know, you do, you do your Google top 10, right? To see what's going to come up. And it's interesting, but guess where, uh, what location geographically was the top nine? It's one area occupied the top nine trails in all of Maine. Guess where that is? You guys, anybody? Just ring your buzzer. Baxter? It would be Arcadia, a place called Arcadia. Oh, so, well, that's we, right. so for yeah. our listeners, if you've got your pen handy, I'd write down the Beehive Loop Trail, the Cadillac North Ridge Trail. I love the... Uh, um, the precipice, that's a fun one. It's great views. You don't want to do it when it's slippery. Um, you also don't want to do it in the ice. I think I should, they say very sensitive, I think, on the uh, on that park about letting people go and when. And there's a Jordan Pond Trail. I know we've all done. Um, and there's the Ocean Path and the Gorn Mountain Loop, uh, the top five. You know, it's kind of interesting. Wow. And I... It's a, If you're ever out in Rumford, this is a place called the Rumford uh, Whitecap Trail, which uh, ranked number 10, but that's nine ahead of him, of that trail, um, uh, which is kind of interesting. But uh, so, 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 Jeff, you know, you've written a lot about Maine, and, you know, I really appreciate your, I guess, your, your diligence on, on finding those stories and, and uncovering certain things. You know, one of the things that you and I have, I guess, when you were starting to write it a little bit, we chat a little bit about this uh, – this hermit. And can you tell our, our listeners a little bit about your book, uh, The Hermit? Sure. Um, it's called Hermit, The Mysterious Life of Jim White. And it's W-H-Y-T-E, the British mm-hmm. spelling. Um, yeah, I actually, it was my third uh, book. And it was because um, every book led to the next one. So Appalachian Odyssey was about my um, 28-year hike. And then in the midst of doing that, um, I really got deeply into the uh, two gentlemen that developed the trail in the first place because it was the first multi-state long-distance trail in the U.S. And um, I thought, you know, who who were these guys and how did this thing come into being? So that was what that book was about. But I was researching that. And I found a 1934 guidebook to the AT in Maine, written by one of the one of the guys in that book, uh, Myron Avery, who was a Mainer from Lubeck, and he basically single-handedly built the trail. He was the first uh, person to hike over 2,000 miles on the AT because he decided where it was going. But um, in his 1934 guidebook, he mentioned a side trail up in Monson area that went up to a hermit's cabin and just Mm -hmm. sort of mentioned that this guy was uh, doing some things that were a little questionable legally. He um, was a multimillionaire and nobody knew how he made his money. And Mm -hmm. 
that started me digging, and I found the story um, with a little diligence, uh, <laughs> through hiker-like diligence, and um, you know, uncovered the story and found out about this guy and wrote the book, and it's been uh, very popular. It's uh, historical fiction. Um, I say it's it's close to nonfiction. It's about eighty-five percent um, factual, but there were some mm-hmm. pieces I needed to make up to make the characters jump off the page. So mm-hmm. that's what I did. So uh, it's been really fun. I've uh, give us a couple. A good give us run two. That. Give us two of those fun facts about uh, about him that are kind of unusual. Yeah, well, the first one is he bought the first automobile privately owned in Maine for $3,000 in cash in wow. 1910, and uh, <laughs> which is really funny because, you know, the roads were bought awful. <laughs> they were worse than they are now. And um, and what so, was $3,000 back in, in, in 1910? About, I, think it, it was, I think it was about forty five or 50000 at wow. least. And, um, you know, it was it was quite the uh, ostentatious thing for a guy who was trying to lay low. Um, he, he had, um, he was a fascinating guy. He spoke six languages. He traveled the world, um, as a merchant Marine for 17 years before mm-hmm. he came back to the States with all this money. Um, he married a woman that, um, lived with them up in this cabin that he built up on the Ridge for 20 years. And then she left about the time when he went broke because World War uh, One broke out and he lost all his money in bad investments. Mm-hmm. And um, ab- about a year and a half later, he was rolling in the dough again and no one wow. could figure out how he was doing it. And um, all I'll say is he was sneaking out the back door and going to New York City uh, frequently and uh, found a lucrative way uh, to to uh, turn over contraband down there. and um, So you if know, you don't mind, I'm going to stop you there for a minute. Yeah. Why, don't, why don't we save that secret for Alyssa and I, and off uh, when we get out of the studio, you and I, can we can all share that knowledge and we'll all become rich. Good <laughs> there idea. There you go. I don't <laughs> hey, know. Alyssa, it's pretty risque. <laughs> hey, Alyssa, actually, I want to ask you a little bit about, this, this is a test, okay? I'm going to ask you, what percentage of um, through hikers on the Appalachian Trail actually complete? Um, I think they say it's about one in four. So you're correct. One, I just checked with the judges, and you are one hundred percent correct. And how many um, how many miles do you typically do a day? Um, that's very dependent on person mm-hmm. um, and location. So. A, a lot of people start the AT doing like 10, 12-ish miles up to 15 right. um, as you start to like get used to hiking every day and being tired. Um, and then you start to pick up miles and lots of people do 20, 25 miles a day for a long time. Right. And then typically people slow back down to remain in Hampshire, <laughs> partly because it's pretty hard. Obviously, uh, we who live here in Maine know how rugged our mountains can be. Right. Um, and also, you don't really want the experience to end. So if you can afford to slow down for, you know, you're not going to run into winter. A lot of people do and take it easy right. and just kind of take it all in. 
it's kind of interesting, but we have a lot of people that come into Maine uh, for that reason. I always look at, particularly part of this show, is that when they do enter Maine, they're they're kind of um, they're dropping money in, in so many different places, from gas to sandwiches to restaurants to hotels and so forth, before they get to their destination. You know, it's important for us to realize that, um, you know, once they get to where they want to hike, for example, if it's Acadia or it's someplace else, it's Rumford or it's, uh, it's Freeport, um, what advice would you give um, Alyssa, if, if, you know, for, for first time weekend hikers, and I'll, I'll kind of preface that by saying also that I was, uh, we heard about, uh, two hikers that were, um, I guess over their head, didn't do a little planning in Acadia and, uh, they lost their lives, uh, just about a month or so ago, um, by sliding off on an ice ledge. They weren't prepared with crampons and winter gear, and they just decided to go for a hike. So I want to preface it by saying that. So what advice do you give, um, particularly our listeners, about um, uh, day hikes? Yeah, I think the best advice is just um, just do a little research. I mean, there are lots of resources out there on ter- in terms of um, like the, um, the main mountain guide or the AMC Guide to Hiking in Maine. Um, just do a little reading, look at, you know, Summit Post or one of those websites that has current trail conditions and last person who hiked it, their report, just to know. So, you know, for instance, if you're about to head up something in Acadia and you check one of those um, websites that say, oh, I hiked it two days ago, there was lots of ice crampons strongly recommended, then you know what you're headed into. Um, And there are lots and lots of resources and know the weather, especially in Maine. Um, some of those, like, I'm thinking of like the Bigelows or mountains right. or Katahdin, mm-hmm. um, where you could get caught above treeline for quite a while in bad storms. So just do, you know, a little bit of research, know the trail you're going on, look at a mm-hmm. map of it, check trail conditions and weather. So as an experienced uh, hiker like you are, Lisa, what, how does your body change from beginning to end? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> in you know, a I lot ask this to a lot of different people, and they, they go, you know, I, I dropped weight. I gained weight. I, you know, it could be muscle to, to mass yeah. or what have you. But what happens to your body when you've been out there for three, four months? Yeah, you definitely, and this is pretty true for most people, you t- you lose weight for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, in our front country lives, we're not moving for 15 hours a day, right. eating only what we can carry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so especially for me on the CDT, like that end of that trip, we were doing, um, thir- like between 20 and 35 miles every single day, right. um, with very few rest days. And so I only could carry certain amounts of calories and I'm was burning a lot. Yeah. Um, so you tend to get very thin, <laughs> um, but you also tend not to get very sore. Like your first week or two, like you're very sore. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like your legs are getting under you. You haven't been walking that much you haven't been carrying weight um on the pct and the cdt you've got a lot of water to carry which is heavy um but then you know three weeks in four weeks in those miles feel like nothing all of a sudden you're hiking 20 by two yeah and you're like wow i can keep going i have all this time and i feel fine and even if you go to bed sore you wake up the next morning totally ready to go again well, you know, that's one of the things I really admire about both of you is that you are uh, taking the time to, to slow it down a little bit, to uh, to do something that you really enjoy, um, you know, um, sharing that knowledge with your friends and colleagues and so forth about doing that stuff. Um, 
Jeff, what, uh, what, what is in somebody's backpack uh, when they go out for a day hike? Good question. Um, you know, I, I think um, the big things to uh, sort of uh, piggyback on, on what we were talking about before, I think the other, before I talk about the uh, backpack part, what's in it, one quick thing is I think it's really important when you're first starting out especially, but really all the time, is is to really focus on being observant about what you're seeing as you go down the trail in terms of physical features and also just keep an eye on the clouds and the weather in general because I think when most people get in uh, too far or, or get into a tricky situation – is when they they get that trail euphoria about being out, but sort of lose um, um, track of of where they're at in terms of where they're, where they're planning on going. And right. just once in a while, I, I make an effort to turn around and look behind me to see what the trail looks like going the other way, just right. in case you have to turn around and go back. I think it's really good to sort of have that familiarity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was going to throw that in. But in terms of what you have in your pack, I think always, you know, even even in the middle of summer in Maine, always have a wind shell, like a nylon shell or, a, a you know, lightweight jacket that will um, stop the wind. Even on the best of days, if you get above tree line, that breeze can be pretty, pretty chilly. So you're going to want to have um, that at bare minimum to have to throw on. I think um, having map and compass skills is a real plus because you can't always depend on the reliability of GPS or even your right. phone battery. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in terms of other things, just make sure, uh, make sure you're situated with water, um, mm-hmm. treated water and, um, have a filter if you need, um, for a group of people, it's always good to have, there are different varieties to get, you don't have to spend a fortune, but being able to treat it is really important. And then, of course, snacks, um, as was mentioned, we should have enough food to keep us fueled because it's important to uh, keep your muscles fed as well as your bloodstream. Right. Um, Alyssa, this is a trick question. This is, the, the, the I guess, the, the quiz part of the show, and we're going to see if you're right on this. Um, what is the, the entertainment that you miss the most when you've been out there for over 30 days? I'm sorry, what, what, do you, what was the question? What is the entertainment? Like the uh, oh. the regular entertainment that you miss the most when you're out on the trails for 30 days? Oh, that's hard for me because I don't really watch TV or movies. Okay. Um, but interesting fact, I do. I, I hiked around this girl on the CDT and mm-hmm. every single night she would watch Netflix in her tent. She somehow <laughs> had downloaded it. Yeah. But clearly oh. that answer is TV. So you're saying that yours is nothing and hers is she travels with it. I just checked with the judges and you are 100% correct. You went on that one. Um, and Jeff, same question. What do you miss the most when you're out there? I, I actually don't miss anything when I'm out there. And, and um, I really, you know, as corny as it sounds, it's nature giving the show. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll listen to a forecast and occasionally – um, truth be told, listen to a Red Sox game or right. catch a few innings at night. Yeah. But, but you know, I I really, it's just it's so special to sort of step out of the tent in the middle of the night and look at the stars, or you know, and, and every 
every night the scenery changes because you're in a different spot. So it's really, uh, you know, it, it's really a, a thrill to be out there for that amount of time. And, um, you know, it, occasionally, of course, you do bolt into town for a cheeseburger or something. But, um, you know, <laughs> That's what it, I was, it, that well, wasn't hold on. I just, I just checked with the judges on that, and they said that you're 100% right as well. Yeah. <laughs> the cheeseburger is what we missed the most. Alyssa, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but I'd love to get your – uh, your call on this is the state of Maine doing enough to preserve and maintain and also promote our trail systems here in Maine? I actually think that we are doing a pretty good job um, of promoting our trails and continuously building new ones. Um, last summer I hiked Little Jackson, which I probably hadn't hiked in 15 years. Mm-hmm. And it used to be such a bushwhack to get up there uh-huh. and now it's so the trail is so well maintained and marked and i saw other people and i was like thoroughly surprised and happy i was like wow we're really developing out this set of mountains um which i think is good because it gets people off of you know tumble down in that particular area right yeah it and, gets hammered yeah exactly yeah, Jeff, same, same question jeff yeah, I think by and large, it's been really awesome. And I, I have to give a plug for Way Down East in Lubeck. There's a great uh, trail initiative going on up there um, to make woodland and um, seaside trails up there, which has been a really tremendous effort. And, um, you know, one of the one of the big challenges, um, I think, trail-wise in Maine is maintaining the 220-plus miles of Appalachian Trail. Um, mm-hmm. For those who don't know, um, the the Appalachian Trail is almost entirely um, maintained by the Trail Club, the main Appalachian Trail Club, and it's quite a an amazing feat to be able to access and clear and uh, keep the trail open and the the you know roofs patched on the lean tos and the right. outhouses emptied and all that and um, they are right now working on building a trail center um, in Skowhegan that will be sort of a launch pad for the trail crews, which has been really, really needed. Uh, I think there was just an article in the Press Herald about it. And uh, that's a really exciting development because um, people come in from all over the world to work on the trails as part of AmeriCorps mm-hmm. and other initiatives. And it's really neat that they're going to have this staging area for their vans and their their crews to be able to uh, take a shower and eat some pizza and head back in and do it again so that's pretty cool i mean i and i think the land trusts do a good job too it's it's a lot of work maintaining a trail you don't just cut it and walk away thank you so much Uh, Alyssa dyer triple crown hiker always outside what's next for you um in the close immediate future it's doing a lot of hikes in maine enjoying um our trails this summer um i'll be going out to washington state to do some mountaineering out there this summer and then hopefully some more through hiking down the road that's great jeff uh maine author hiker extraordinaire who continues to uh find more interesting things to write about what is next for you jeff well i'm actually i'm trying to i'm closing in on um a book about a hundred years of conservation from uh, 
from 1864 to 1964, which involves a lot of uh, preservation and conservation people and efforts. And um, in addition to that, I'm starting a really long hike, but I'm not telling anyone where it is yet. <laughs> but um, you know that one. That one is um, starting this year as well, and uh, so lots going on. So Jeff, if somebody wants to find your books and learn more about you, where can they find you? Uh, JeffRyanAuthor.com is a good place to find them, and also Sherman's Books, uh, which has, I believe, four locations throughout Maine, including Portland, Bar Harbor, Freeport, and um, yeah, so. It's all it's all good. It's been fun. Hey, listen, you guys, I am fans of yours. You know it. Um, I, I love talking to you guys, even if it's uh, if it's a podcast or what have you. But I'm always inspired by you both. So I want to thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Melissa, for taking your time this evening. This is Brian Bickford with Mainly Matters. Have a good evening. 